Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. I am Joey Whitney, and with me is David Campbell. What's up, David? Uh, not much, Joe. Just enjoying the weather today. How are, uh, How's your uh, day going so far? You know, I wish I was outside enjoying the weather, um, but it's it's going going very well so far. Um, so, uh, I mean, before we jump into really what this episode's about, I, I got to get this off my chest. What are you drinking? Actually, today um, it's pretty awesome. But I met my new neighbor, and uh, you know, during the whole stay-at-home quarantine thing. Oh, good social distancing. To, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forces you to connect with people around you, right? So, I, I. I you know, they just moved in recently, just as this whole quarantine thing was going in. Um, and he saw us out working on the greenhouse this weekend. Um, so we started talking and he actually home brews. He gave me a, uh, a bottle of his uh, homemade blackberry mead. Ooh, a sucker for the, the flavor, the fruity beers, man. Or the meat's oh. good too. Oh yeah. I love honey wine. I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a, uh, I'd drink it, <laughs> especially if it's free from the neighbor, right? Yeah, heck yeah. Dude, I'm willing to try anybody's homebrew, you know. Got to test it out, say, hey, it, it was awesome, or no, not so much. Yeah, could you not give me that again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm drinking uh, Elvis juice, man. I, I saw Elvis this at the, juice. Yeah, I saw this at the grocery store. It's made by BrewDog. Um and uh, I just I just had to get it, man. It's a grapefruit IPA, uh, and on the can it says this: um, our naturally f- flavored IPA uh, packs more fruit than the state of California. I was oh, like, wow. oh, yeah, I'm gonna get this. <laughs> and it's uh, just across the state lines for me. It's over in uh, Ohio, so um, not not uh, not too far outside my region. Actually, inside my region, but not too far outside of my area. And um, it is. Quite delicious, man. I drank a few of these yesterday while I was doing uh, some on some app, tele, you know, like a, a telecommuting, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Not telecommuting, uh, FaceTiming or something. There's this app called House Party. A friend just sent me a link and said, talk to me. I was like, okay. And I got on and there's like six people all just drinking beer. And I was like, oh, let me catch up. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, it's great. Uh, social distancing is uh, forcing us all to embrace technology a little bit more and uh, alcohol as well. So that's cool. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm always a fan of that. Well, hey, man, uh, I'm, before we get too far off topic and tangents like we always do, uh, we got to talk about, you know, this episode that we recorded. So, you know, this was an early morning episode. We didn't get to drink beer. So we kind of wanted to. Well, I didn't get to drink beer. You had a Bloody Mary and I'm so jealous. I did. It was a pretty fantastic Bloody Mary. Oh, man. I didn't see what the the before. I, you just sent me a picture of the empty glass. Um, <laughs> but this episode had um, a very, you know, phenomenal uh, gentleman on it, John Niles from Hit Contracting. Um, you know, John and I, we, you know, follow each other on LinkedIn and always talking about, you know, latest and greatest technology. I see them doing a lot of stuff with Spot, the Boston Dynamics dog. Um, and I just, you know, we just started forming conversations. But... You already had a relationship with them, man. Like you guys yeah. did some stuff. What was it, Bluebeam and Built and some other? I don't know, man. You guys seem to be uh, following each other at conferences that I, I just didn't didn't uh, didn't even know about. Yeah, it was funny. Um, you had brought up John Niles. Uh, you know, you said, "Hey, Dave, I I, I think I'd like to have a, a guy named John Niles on the podcast." And I'm like, "Wow, yeah, definitely." It was crazy. Um, you know, it's such a small world. Um, that we kind of have our, our little BIM world here. But I met John, I think, originally at the uh, the Bluebeam conference. And we started talking about different things that you could utilize Bluebeam for. And it was great connecting with him, right? And then, yeah, I've seen him at the Built conference as well, you know? So we talked about um, scanning. We talked about verification, you know, Bluebeam and all, all different kinds of things that they were kind of getting into what he had seen and what they'd been doing and trying out, you know, uh, just different 
so many different things that uh, he kind of had his, his hands into. I thought it was awesome. And as soon as you talked about, you know, bringing him on the podcast, it was an instant yes for me. That's a no brainer. Um, I think John is a, a very smart individual. And I mean, he, he, HIT contracting, right? Those guys are, um, I mean, just they're pushing technology in ways that many other people aren't, right? I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. It, it's remarkable to see. I mean, I've seen the, the title like innovation director and all that stuff thrown around at various firms, but it, it's it's entirely different to see that a, a company with a whole innovation lab spun off. They have this lab called the CoLab that, uh, where they test new processes, software, tech, various technologies, mm-hmm. and materials. Like, it's amazing. Um, and you just don't see that too too often, especially on the um, on the on the uh, construction side of things. So it's just truly remarkable that they have that you know ability at the palm of their hands, and that they're actually um, pushing it. They're you know actively um, trying to get that out to the masses. In fact, uh, before all this you know coronavirus stuff started, I was actually scheduled to be in D.C. Uh, for an event, and I had you know was planning on hooking up with John. We were going to go to uh, a friend of his's brewery. And, uh, you know, we were going to tour the collab and all that stuff. So we just have to push that off for another time. But that said, I did talk to John after we recorded this podcast. And he said that, you know, he's sorry, you know, he didn't have a beer in hand or anything. But uh, he did promise to get us a growler from his friend's uh, brewery. So we'll, we'll awesome. uh, you know, stay tuned for some, some beer from them. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we did a pretty good job of introducing, uh, speak, introducing uh, John Niles. So without further ado... I just wanted to uh, kick this off. So thank you for staying tuned. We hope you enjoy this. Welcome to another episode of Brewing with BIM. I'm Joey Whitney. And as always, I've got David Campbell with me. And today we're going to be talking to John Niles. John, good morning. Good morning, Joey. Good morning, David. Good morning, John. Hey, John, could you give our listeners a little um, like snippet of your background? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I currently uh, work for a construction company uh, called uh, Hit Contracting, uh, based out of uh, Falls Church, Virginia. Um, we are one of the largest uh, GCs in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, we've been in business for about 87 years. I came to Hit about four years ago after spending most of my career on the architectural and engineering side of the world. Um, was keenly interested in learning more about construction and, and how our designs um, actually get implemented and, and where the rubber meets the road. So uh, just uh, super excited to be on this side, um, actually seeing, uh, seeing those projects get built in uh, real time. It's uh, really fascinating. Uh, everything's so different uh, for every project, and it's just uh, really exciting to, uh, to be on this side of it. Awesome. That's awesome. that's awesome. That's a that's a great transition. I've I've worked with a few architects that have gone that route where they've actually gotten into construction, um, on the construction side of things. And it's always interesting because to the construction team, architect is kind of a four letter word. I'm just just throwing that out there. So so when when an architect gets involved, like how does it radically shift your kind of uh, design process? Instead of making great designs, you have to make great designs with with the intent that they're constructible, is that a big challenge for you guys? Uh, you know, when you made that switch, or, or is that just something you were always doing? I think it. Uh, I think it was a, it was a big switch, but also it was a was an opportunity to really see the other side of how things were were being done, and and potentially being able to educate some of my you know uh, my 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 folks on. The, the design aspect and what their point of view is um, going into the process, but more importantly, also to be able to give feedback to other designers and architects out there in the field to say, hey, um, you know, the construction industry is not just hammers and, and cranes and bulldozers. It's also, we've got a lot of great talent um, working in the AE space uh, from a design perspective with the software, and they're actually quite well adapt to the software uh, and they're using it to, to manufacture um, their 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 work out in the field there's a lot of fabrication that goes into it 
they're using that software for that purpose. And that's that's an important point for people to really understand is um, construction as you know for being laggards in technology, they actually do adopt a lot of technology. And I'll try to drive this point across too whenever I meet young people that are that are uh, you know younger than me at least that are like, well, where should I go? And I'm like, well, actually, you should be looking at construction. You know, it accounts for 25% of the workforce. Um, you know, spending the whole AEC space, um, but it's more than swinging hammers. It's more than, you know, laying bricks. There's a lot of technology that's in there, um, and a lot of people are finding it hard to adapt to that technology, and some some are doing better than others, obviously. Uh, so just trying to get that point across that, hey, man, you just hit the nail on the head there. Technology is more than, more than swinging a hammer, no pun intended there. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I, I see that it's only getting more uh, integrated um, and more important in the process as we try to modulize uh, construction. Um, how can we how can we prefabricate offsite and and bring those uh, those components together in the field? I think uh, importantly, also um, developing components within the industry that allow us to switch out uh, products um, from from one item to another very easily is going to be increasingly important in that process. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so you guys are always, um, I, I see you on LinkedIn kind of testing new technology, testing new things you guys can have um, out on the site or connecting the field and the office. I see you guys were testing, what was it, Eurus? Um, yes, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I think it's fantastic that you guys are um, adapting that technology and really owning um, that space, bridging that gap between, like I said, design and, and construction and really figuring out how to better the entire process for everyone involved. Yeah. And with the with the Iris product, um, it's an interesting product and in it gives us the ability to um, to to log do manpower uh, loading on on projects um, to do daily logs. Um, there's other software out there as well that, and that whole area is just really rapidly evolving. Where if you don't have, if if a person falls down, for instance, or falls off a ladder and there's no movement, that software can actually track those things and automatically send um, a response to a system. Wow. Can also do mass notifications that is awesome. uh, for um, tornadoes, so to get everyone mm -hmm. out of the building or a fire watch or something like that. So the, the technology is really rapidly evolving. It's exciting times in the business. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I, I think that kind of segues right into our next part. Um, I mean, I know you guys are constantly improving, but has uh, has this whole kind of COVID pandemic i know you know it's got everybody locked down you know staying at home and things like that but um have you had any chance to look at anything or improve maybe um yourself like have any time to improve yourself during this kind of lockdown well for sure i mean obviously we have a couple of printers um and we 3d printers and and we've been trying to utilize those to help out in the healthcare uh community um, in a small way, um, and so we're slowly ramping that up just to help out with the community. Um, mm -hmm. But we're also looking at how can we do face shields, um, how, co how can we um, create distances um, mm -hmm. around workers, staggering, staggering, you know, breaks and things like that to keep people safe. I mean, yep. it's uh, imperative, and I think uh, I think we're all developing those those plans out and and adapting as, as we go um, that's awesome interesting time right now it is it really is you know um i was shouldn't get on the news too much but i was reading an article uh this morning that uh you know this is becoming more of a reality for a lot of people in new york i think in brooklyn they're starting to assemble um field hospitals and temporary morgues and things like that throughout the city and they're starting to, you know, bring in some hospital ships into uh, what California. I think one arrived up in New York, um, or up up by New York. Um, I think I, I've been kind of. Uh, it's got my mind going a little bit, right? Like, how can we start to adapt to this in terms of 
getting field hospitals, getting enough beds, things like that. And one thing I was um, really starting to think about this morning was how construction can help with that, like how the construction industry, maybe modular construction with those, uh, you know, temporary facilities that can be picked up and moved or anything like that. Um, just different, uh, different ways that we can kind of adapt to our situation to help as much as we can. And that's, I mean, I think that you, what you guys are doing is awesome. We've seen a lot of change um, in terms of people started making masks. You know, you've seen GE and Ford start making like ventilators and things like that. A lot of people are kind of rising to the task, right? And and uh, trying to help as much as we can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think with what we saw in Italy um, and, and just how rapidly everything changed and then the call for for folks with 3d printers to be able to start producing just the simple basic things because mm-hmm. uh, it, it so rapidly evolved um i think really kind of got us thinking and really kind of gave us a, the time to start looking at some of those things um that what could we do with the materials that we have on hand um Obviously, you know, the supply chain is constrained now with everyone trying to do the same thing. Um, and so what can we do with what we have? What what can we what can we make that's going to be impactful? And, mm-hmm. and it may be only one thing, um, but that that one thing might lead to that one person being saved. So, you know, and in the end, that's what it's all about. Right. It is definitely. We've Definitely. we've seen. I mean, LinkedIn's been great during this whole thing. It's it's done pretty good at try, you know keeping me off the news because a lot of people are you know all the, all the important news, all the news I want to read kind of filters through LinkedIn eventually. But like I've been seeing uh, uh, mechanical and piping firms, you know, creating um, add-ons for ventilators so that they can you know supply air to four people. Uh, I've seen uh, you know people whip up designs to, to get a, an old hospital back into shape so that they can start preparing beds. Like there's a lot going on in the construction industry that uh, a lot of innovation that is uh, really bringing about. And I'm excited to see that. So actually it's, it's great. It's, it's very fulfilling to be part of this industry uh, at the, at this time in my mind, I think. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, uh, it's amazing. You get out in the field and, and you, you see some of the stuff that the, the, the field teams, the superintendents and, and the laborers are, are coming up with, uh, you know, for instance, just portable washing stations so that everyone can wash their hands. We may not have hand sanitizer, so we can get out there and keep people safe. Uh, yeah. Just the ingenuity that, that people are coming. It's very ingenuous, very genuine and in, in the word I'm looking for, uh, ingenuity um coming up with some Mm -hmm. of the solutions to some really hard problems and some real problems yeah yeah, very exciting well we didn't want to get you down oh Oh, sorry i was just gonna say we didn't want to get you down this this kind of depressing topic but (laughs) it's in the news we figured hey you know it's the elephant in the room we kind of have to bring it up um especially because there's so many people in our industry that are stepping out and and doing remarkable things um i i love it you know it's awesome yeah, yeah, it really, really is amazing stuff, and, and it's really just, you know, the positivity that grows in people that to to be able to help out and that want to help out and be part yep. of the solution. That's what I was gonna say. You know, it it really like the situation sucks. It is tragic. It really does suck. But you see, um, a lot of times what comes out of tragedy is that people like a situation like this is that people will pull together. And rise up to that occasion to help other people. It like for me, it gives me that uh, that feeling like it restores my faith in humanity. Right, it makes me feel really good about us, uh, about our people. Like our country, in a way, has been so um, divided. Right, a lot of times it's been divided for a, a little while, and you see something like this come up, and and industries that aren't like in healthcare are rising up to try and help in any way that they can. You see these, like I said earlier, the car manufacturers are switching over to make ventilators. We have people 3D printing. We have people at home um, sewing masks and, and making face shields and stuff. It's it's 
awesome. I really love the fact that everybody is like like we are saying, pulling together and trying to be creative in different ways. It's sparking our natural creativity to help each other and 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 to push forward. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really humbling, and and you know I'm so grateful to be um, be able to you know contribute in any way we possibly can. You know we have a small but mighty team. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's neat, you know, and it harkens back to some of the things that my grandfather used to share with us. You know, he went through world war two, he went through the Korean war and, and just, just that, you know, sense of we've got to, we've got to beat this and we're, we're going to, we're going to do it by God. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really brings out, you know, the best in humanity, I think. It does. It really does. Now, so I I asked earlier kind of um, what you've been doing. Now, let me let me ask you, um, how did you originally get into BIM? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, Well, I um, I got the first time I ever heard about BIM was probably in about 1999. And uh, GSA had released a spec uh, on 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 BIM models and at the time everyone was using AutoCAD and uh, we were like well what's this BIM thing and uh, real quickly I took to it that this is where the future is going to be at Um, and it's really interesting how it's developed out. Um, I got into uh, I got into BIM a little bit more uh, when I was with uh, AECOM and we started uh, dabbling with it and they actually started uh, building out some models in it, and everyone was having a tough time with it because it just was not very easy comparatively to AutoCAD. However, the backside of it was that we were able to start doing coordination using Navisworks and, and software like that, and mm-hmm. that's where really I think it, it took root um, and has grown uh, from there. Um, okay. I left. I left there and. Uh, went back into AutoCAD for a while and then came out and saw the MEP uh, stuff that was being developed now in BIM. Uh, Revit MEP was just uh, a mind-blowing experience. It's just such a game changer. Um, And I think that that's where I got really excited about it because I said, well, truly, now you're working at placing these components and not worrying so much about, you know, actually drawing 2d lines to represent that pipe you can just draw that pipe and wow that's amazing right now you can calculate all your fittings all your rises all your drops i mean it's just really um unleashing the inner designer in you yeah Um, and just growing up from there you know um it's, it's amazing how fast it's spread and, and just how integral it's become. It is. It really is. Um, we've been, uh, Joey and I have been working with a coworker lately to uh, help help with bridging BIM into machine control. So taking piping and making trenching surfaces um, in, in, in Revit and then ex- essentially exporting that into something like, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Pocket 3D, I think it is, or something like that. To uh, 3DMC. Yeah. 3DMC. 3DMC. Yeah. Okay. But but yeah, we're just trying to figure out. You know, everybody in the AEC space, at least in the vertical, seems to think that we've got it all figured out for BIM. There's so much more we can prove on it. Uh, oh, but yeah. at the same time, you know, how do you extend BIM to the horizontal or the dirt dirt side of this, and and just you know tying it a little bit better. Um, so. On the vertical side, I know you guys do a lot of stuff with, you know, cool technology. I saw you guys, you guys have that that lab that, you know, before all of this COVID stuff happened, I was hopefully going to get to tour, but uh, um, <laughs> that kind of put things off. But you guys are doing some stuff with Spot uh, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm really anxious to see kind of how the, the um, you know, what you're able to do to capture new data and actually push that into your BIM models as well as automate that whole process with something like Spot. 
Yeah, there's some really exciting stuff that's out there now. Um, there's a couple different companies out there that allow you to take your your camera, your 360 camera, and push that into um, to uh, things like Procore and mm-hmm. BIM BIM 360 uh, docs, and and I think that there's some exciting stuff going on there with the ability to to document things. A couple of years ago, uh, we had mounted a 360 camera on on a hard hat and walked out in the field and nearly got laughed out of the field. But that's really starting to become more commonplace now. Um, we three, 3D printed a shoe for the, the camera to fit on the hard hat and, and went out there. And, and it was it was interesting. Now you're awesome. starting to see that mainstream. Um, uh, companies like OpenSpace and, and Struction Site um, are really integrating that into Procore. Um, and allow you to do some documentation on top of that so you can do your RFIs. So I'm really excited about that. And then we've got overlays that allow you to, to look at the BIM model next to the, the real live pictures um, and start to go back into time. And I think that that's really, really interesting stuff in that you could open up those walls and see what's behind the walls um, just using a slider back and forth. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's incredible. But we're also seeing that with with drone technology too. Uh, we use a company uh, called Hangar that allows us to to fly a site, and over time you can you can look at the same view over time by just simply clicking through those dates. And that that to me is is useful for us in construction. <clears throat> but I think it's more importantly, it's it's super helpful. When we turn that building over to Definitely. the the site team that's going to have to operate it, where mm-hmm. where was that valve at? Which way did that pipe run underground? We can now look at that over time. We can see that installed. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you find challenges to um, the whole drone aspect of construction being in DC or close have, to DC? Well, we have our challenges for sure in DC. Um, being that we we don't just work under one jurisdiction. I mean, obviously you have the FAA, but you have all the other three-letter agencies in the, in the area that all have a say. And so there are certain pilots that can fly, um, but it, it does require quite a bit of um, navigating through those um, authorities to get approval. And they have their own stipulations. So we don't do a lot of flying in DC proper. Uh, but uh, with the land system now getting a little bit better, I think that um, it's at least clear what you have to do as far as getting your waivers in place uh, to fly. But, yeah, it certainly is a challenge. Uh, sometimes that challenge is we just can't fly above a certain height, um, which which causes some issues on the back end with processing all the data into an ortho mosaic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So, um, is there anything else that you guys are doing right now to, um, improve your processes, like taking this time, like the, I, I, somewhat of a break, right? We don't want to call this a break, but it is kind of a slowdown, right? Or is, are, are you guys taking advantage of this in any, any way of your processes, looking at anything saying, you know, we really wanted to get into this, but we haven't had the time to now let's do it. Yeah. I, I think, uh, one of the biggest things that we're looking at We've, we've been rolling out a training program across our, our, our company, um, and I think that that's going to that's gonna shift into more of a video-based training mm-hmm. so that we can get our teams up to speed regardless of whether they're here or there. Awesome. So like a like a, a just video system making like a series or uh, like a e-learning platform? Well, basically a, a, a video series. Um, because some of the some of the workflows that we have are very very proprietary and mm-hmm. are very specific to a certain piece of hardware, okay. um, or or a specific workflow. So that's given us an opportunity to to develop those out, which we'll be able to have for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think we're also it's also given us a chance to to look at our our workflows that we have. We have not been really um too quiet so far it's actually been busier Um, yeah well one of the things that we are doing is looking at at how we can um 
get our 360 cameras out in the field and get those into better use because because of the sites being restricted mm-hmm. in somewhat um, with all the um, this the lockdown um, the the lockdown issues that we have going on um, the clients and the architects can't be out there on site like mm-hmm. they would normally be so it gives us an opportunity to um, document the site using the camera in a way that just regular photos just don't do justice oh um, yeah that, that keeps our that keeps our, our partners engaged our clients engaged our design team engaged um, really kind of trying to bring them into the fold um, so they know that hey we're making progress or hey we're going to have some questions that come up and we're, we're continuing to move forward right mm-hmm that's what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So with that um, 360 camera, you're capturing the current conditions. Are you guys doing any sort of uh, verification with uh, scan technology currently or or a, um, is it all just 360 photo? Great, great question. Um, you know, one of the things that that um, we do a fair amount of is, is laser scanning prior to getting into uh, a project and construction. One of the things that we look at when we're doing laser scanning is is capturing all those things that don't get captured in a in an as built model or in a in a new design. Um, so conduits, you know, typically in BIM we don't model everything under inch and a half um, unless it's in groups, and so this gives us the opportunity to capture those things with the laser scanner. It also gives us the opportunity to see how level the floor is, what kind of floor leveling we might have to do in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and once what are you guys floor, using for FFL for for so, um, we've been we've been doing a couple of uh, proprietary things that we have in house that we uh, use. Um, awesome. But we are using both the Faro scanner and the Leica scanners. Um, love both of them. All each of them have their own unique workflows um we're looking at uh we're looking at using more scene with uh the feral systems um that's compelling um have you looked at uh apl's uh floor flatness tool that's built in where you can bring in a point cloud to give you a heat map or what's the other one david rhythm yeah rhythm yep yeah we've both we've used both of those um and again it depends on the hardware that we're using Mm-hmm. Um, drives kind of the software usage on that. What we're finding is that, you know, in the beginning there wasn't a lot of uh, understood workflow, and so it um, getting that workflow down um, allows us to um, speed the process up because we know how to repeat it every single time which gives us the opportunity to turn it around faster, which gives us the opportunity to do more scans. It, in that vein, you know, when when you have the opportunity to do more scans, um, you're having more impact in the in the business. Um, and I think yeah. People, people are seeing that now. I think it, early on it was, it was tough to justify because it would come out and scan and it would take a couple of days to get it back, and now we can almost turn those things around the same day. Um, yeah, just run in there and get it done. Exactly. Um, exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back in the, you know, not even back in the day, just a few years ago, even it was, it was really hard because you'd have to schedule ahead of time. You'd have to make sure, you know, all this sort of stuff kind of have to align so that the the scan guy that you were contracting go out there. Now it's just like, you know, hey, look, check this out from the warehouse. Uh, we'll have it on the on site, and then uh, scan whenever we see fit. That sort of thing, like. We've, we're starting to see that, like scanners assigned to large jobs, not necessarily um, having to wait for somebody to come through and scan. So it's, I don't know, it's pretty awesome. But I did want to insert a bias here just because of who my employer is. You should check out some TopCon scanners eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're a great product. And, you know, I've used a lot of the, uh, the TopCon uh surveying equipment in the past on, on some of our bigger projects and, and love this love the heck out of it all right, right cool <laughs> just had to lot, get that lot, in there i love it 
Well, there's, you know, like, <laughs> there are so many different tools out there and it's, it's really great to see so much interest in it and, and really where you can take some of it and, and how, um, each of the different manufacturers are pushing each other to, to build us a better product, a simpler product, um, an improved product with great workflows. I mean, I think that that's what's exciting about this is that, you know, just like you said, a couple of years ago, um, that workflow didn't exist. And now it, it's pretty solid workflow. Um, I think that's exciting um, and, and definitely um, is exciting for the future um, to see what, what other things are going to be coming down the pike. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to see kind of that S-curve where things are slow at first. And I feel like we're starting to ramp towards that, that you know, middle part of the S where it starts to get a little bit steeper before we just shoot all the way up. Because there is so much technology coming out. People are designing better products each and every day. The, the applications people are creating. I mean, Autodesk, who, who had a limited foray into the construction side, now just doubles down and says, you know what? We're just going to spend a billion dollars buying everybody. And um, we're going to make a, the greatest construction platform ever you know it's going to take some time but uh seeing seeing like that sort of stuff like there's there's obviously a drive in the construction industry to advance technology whether it's autodesk the pro cores the you know the the various uh, scan technologies out there i mean i remember just like six years ago scan like scanning was considered technology yeah absolutely i mean you know i mean you go back even just 10 years ago the amount of people that were using Navisworks was very small. Um, it was sort of an unknown. Um, and look at it now. It's, it, it is a staple for how we coordinate projects. Um, same thing with laser scanning. And I think in a, in a few years, some of the stuff that I'm, you know, we're, we're starting to see um, marrying that up with, say, a HoloLens or augmented reality system where we'll be able to go out, scan, and then have point clouds, you know, on an augmented reality headset um, gets even more exciting. Um, and just, just yeah, where the we're just going. waiting for computing. Yeah, we're just waiting for the computing power to get there, though. That's it. We're, just we're, that little that's thing. Right. You know, it's, it's all about Moore's Law, right? Yep, uh, yep. Was it every 18 months or something? Uh, cuts in half? Yeah. I remember, I remember in... In some time in the early 2000s, I, I remember seeing a demo from Autodesk saying that we're going to have these point clouds, this LiDAR data. Mm -hmm. And we were like, no way. This is never going to happen. And and look at it now. We have it on, you know, I, I have it at my fingertips on my laptop. You know, imagine yep. that, you know. So imagine another 10 years now what it's going to look like, you know. And you're starting to yep. see that with the with some of the handheld scanners where you can just walk around like a lantern and it just takes, it, it captures everything as you're walking. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, one big thing I've seen lately is uh, people are uh, taking pictures and creating meshes, like creating point cloud meshes yeah. from pictures in their phone. Yeah. So it, it, it's awesome. Incredible. It is. So, so uh, all the, given all this technology, I know you guys have, you mentioned it's a, it's a lab. Uh, like a, what is the name of that lab again that you mentioned? So John? it is our it is our innovation lab and and it is built off of um, bringing bringing the idea of of using new materials, um, experimenting with them in a in a sort of a non judgmental environment where we can try out new new ideas new uh, ways of thinking uh, we did a we did an augmented reality challenge there where we took we pitted two teams together uh, one using traditional drawings and the other one um, just using a hollow lens and it was interesting to see some of the issues that came up but also more importantly that that when you look at both of the the mock-ups they look pretty close to the same so we're getting pretty close with the with the augmented reality headsets. Um, 
I think the the challenge with anchoring and keeping keeping the model from drifting are are things that are going to be worked out or are being worked out as we speak. Um, and it's just a it's an interesting place to be able to conduct experiments like that and sort of push the envelope for the technology, the use of materials, and you know energy efficiency. Um, and, and you guys are very open about what you guys are doing there. There's a whole web website I'm on right now, collab.build, that has uh, your materials, the approaches, the technology that's talking about what's going on. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 a it's really an exciting building. It's uh, one of the first CLT mass timber buildings uh, in the on the East Coast. Um, it's about 8,000 square feet. Um, it's got four bays for doing different uh, different experiments in um, and trying out new ideas. Um, it's a net zero building, so exploring that um, is really interesting in some of the things that we're we're learning. Um, and and also just um, how some of the some of the vendors can contribute to that. We're having some honest discussions about that. And one of the one of the pursuits on that was a living building challenge um, and being that we're not going to use any red line materials. So there's no PVC piping in the building, um, which was an interesting um, challenge because most electrical wire is um, sheathed in PVC. And so we had to find um, vendors that could make electrical wire without PVC in it. Also, we had, you know, furniture manufacturers that were using materials that, that may have been on a red list, and they didn't even realize it. When we had that discussion with them, they were saying, well, why don't we just eliminate it completely from our product line? Um, mm. So those are interesting discussions that are, are rotating around the collab. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, very a really awesome. Neat, it's, a, it's a small but really mighty space. Um, I love the discussions that we're having um, and how, how we can push the, the technology in the field, but also more importantly, you know, how we're going to maintain buildings over the long term. You know, mm-hmm. when we spend two years bimming up a, 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 a building and put it into construction and then we hand over all those electronic files and that's it. Well, we got another 70 years of that building life, probably. So how are we going to use that data that we've created, keep it relevant, but also keep it useful? So, you know, exploring that, you know, those next dimensions in BIM uh, are becoming more and more important. You know, that actually segues right into my next question. Um, <laughs> it, 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 this has been pretty perfect, but <laughs> it's uh, I was really thinking, like, in that sense, um after knowing and doing kind of everything that you've uh, done, how would you make BIM better? What would what would be your kind of idea to to better that process? So one of the things that I would see, one of the struggles I continue to see is the lack of um, good Revit families and components that mm-hmm. we can use. And, and let me give you an example. I have a, uh, I have a, uh, uh, an air handler that I've got to put on top of a roof, and it's piped out the left-hand side of that unit. Mm-hmm. And at the, at the last minute, the owner decides, hey, I'm going to change it to this unit that's right-hand pad. And what happens to all the coordination? So all that piping that goes down into the, the building all has to now move from the left side to the right side. Oh, yeah. Yep. So now you've got to re-coordinate all that. Now, wouldn't it be great if we had better components so that we could we could shift those in and out at the same time? Mm-hmm. So what happens is a mechanical guy doesn't necessarily have the component or that family for that new unit that we're going to pick. And that, and that, that causes those those things that have to be reworked, right? So all that coordination mm-hmm. effort that went in to getting that piping all all clash-free is now got to move 
you know, say four feet the other way. Um, so I think that those are those are opportunities I see in the business and being able to scenario out one versus the other and being able to do a cost benefit analysis on that to say, mm-hmm. hey, if you're going to change that out, this is why it's important that you need to make a decision earlier on with the equipment. Because yeah. That thousand dollars you may save on buying that other piece of equipment is actually going to cost you ten thousand um, dollars to re-coordinate or or in some some cases you've already back, you've already fabricated those pipes are going in and now we're going to switch shift to something else yeah and that's just a you know that's just sort of an anecdotal um scenario but but those are things i think that can improve on bim um you know good components good good revit families um mm-hmm. i i hear consistently um geez it would be great if we had you know all the manufacturers had their doors in there or their oh yeah for those things it would, you know and those things become uh really important when you're trying to make decisions they do they do and i mean a lot for budgeting for design itself i mean if you're going into design and then into construction i mean um the information that you hold within your model because i mean of course as um we've talked about before in bim it's all about the eye right the information in that model what you can get out what you can push into it um families are a huge part of that i mean they they can carry a lot of information with them um, to help kind of push that process but of course they can help shape your fam or shape your uh, your kind of model as well um, I think with uh, with BIM we have a lot to gain if manufacturers more manufacturers were to um, produce their content in something like Revit have a fully parametric family that you know maybe you can click a button and it would switch you know and as you're saying take everything kind of with it or repath repipe it as needed if it's already designed this way we switch it here what are ways that we can kind of you know repath this to save time and money they're again jumping into a little bit of what generative design uh, giving it parameters kind of building off of that Um, but I I think tying back to the, uh, the manufacturer point there the more that we can get um, this, I want to say everybody working together, right? The more we can get this kind of uh, communication in, in, in the entire industry in terms of, hey, we need this, or this would be really good for us. I think that um, the more we can do that, the more that we can better BIM together, as you're saying. Oh, absolutely. And I also think that there, there are opportunities um, to collaborate with the, the design team in a more more organic way mm-hmm. i know that there's you know integrated um, project design you know workflows that are out there and in some cases we inherit designs um and our subs are going to build off of those um and they reference those those models in um, to make sure that they're meeting the design intent well, one of the things that we like to do is actually engage the design team the engineering team to be part of that discussion um and that and that helps kind of cut through some of those things that may come down the pike later as rfis mm-hmm. um yeah see that and then it becomes not a an rfi per se as much as it is a confirming um yep. rfi yeah um, so we've we've got a friend david corticus who will be on another episode who is all about getting rid of rfis like they shouldn't exist like we can <laughs> do everything to minimize that process mm-hmm. uh but I, you mentioned earlier, you said organic, right? And then you, you talked about IPD as well. Um, do you think that it has to be a contract that's set up beforehand? Or you just think that, hey, look, we should always be doing, you know, a concurrent engineering or um, IPD type workflows where the, the contractors get involved either sooner or the designers are involved longer? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. Um I would I would love to see I would love to see the day that we didn't have to have a contract. Um, I I know that there are countries that that don't have this issue, um, in particular like Australia. Um, my understanding is that they don't they don't have some of these issues. Um, 
because they're all engaged right from the get-go. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how this is gonna how the technology is is slowly eroding and breaking down those walls, those barriers, those silos that exist. Um, I'm also excited about getting more um, subcontractors engaged in the beginning um, and some of those non-traditional um, disciplines that that we bring in. Um, I'll give you an example, like uh, uh, kitchen equipment manufacturers, uh, millwork, things like that. That that we can we can engage them, and when we've engaged them on projects, we've saved quite a bit of time and quite a bit of money bringing those folks in. Um, and and to some degree, some of them have been actually pretty surprised at at how accurate things went together out in the field after doing the coordination. So I'm excited about expanding this out of just simple MEP and fire protection and how we can be uh, working closer with our other subs, discipline partners. All right. Man, this has been a great episode. Thank you very much, John. Well, um, I think we crammed a lot of information into like I was really concerned about this time constraint because you had an hour and I was like, this is going to be tough. How are we going to have a long conversation? But I think you did it. You like just packed everything into where are we at now, like 45 minutes. Yeah. 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 We're at 45 minutes. Great. But yeah, dude, it's been great. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I, I John, we got to meet back at the uh, what the Bluebeam conference. That's right. The- yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Bluebeam or Built, but uh, I got to see it both of them there. And I, it's always great talking to you. I know you're very passionate about uh, this industry, about our processes. It's great to see, you know, what you guys are doing there um, in terms of in your in your in your lab or just on the field, what you guys are pushing. You know, it's great to see that uh, you guys are kind of at the front line of this of adopting or pushing technology and and seeing again how you can push it and what you can push. Yeah, and we're very excited to work with our partners, our, our architects, our engineers, you know, our clients, and just really working in a, a very integrated approach to solving problems, whether whether the contract says that or not. It's really about bringing all those people together and working together um, for, for a much more positive outcome for our client. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very excited to... Uh, have the opportunity to um, be on the show today and uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you very much, John. Uh, Maybe we'll have you uh, on another episode here in the future. Would love that. All right. Well, thank you very much. uh, You guys have an open invitation anytime you want to come down and see the collab. Awesome. Yes. I'm going to take you up on that. Uh, As soon as all my stuff, you know, we start traveling again, I'm sure DC is, uh, that that whole area is back on my my list for travel. Good. Well, make awesome. sure you call. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Will All do. Right. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good week, and uh, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Brewing with Bim. All right.